Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another edition of the Zero Ducks, not quite daily, with me, Daniel Norcross, um, labouring under, it could be a cold, it could be Legionnaire's disease, it could be dengue fever, I don't know, but my commitment to this podcast is so great that even as I lie here on my near deathbed, I am able to put in the hours, hours that the England batting team are incapable of putting up. It's three times running now that they have failed to bat for 35 overs, they are the first world champions to bat for fewer than 40 overs in innings in the history of all cricket world cups they've done it three times in a row that's pretty impressive they managed to lose a match by scoring an adequate amount of runs but bowling absolutely atrociously by bowling atrociously and conceding so many runs that it didn't really matter how they batted by not scoring anything like enough runs so it didn't really matter how they bowled and today by bowling really quite well but not being able to bat for toffee. It was a most extraordinary sight in a game in which Joe Root and Virat Kohli both got naught. If anybody had got the spread on that at something like 70 and sold it, they would be a wealthy, wealthy human. I didn't do that, of course, because I shouldn't be betting on cricket, and so I don't. But um, that was just one of many regrets that I had today. The most important of those regrets was watching the game because I find myself in Dharamshala, which is beautiful, Mountains everywhere, little monkeys, tiny brown bears, waterfalls, bars, I tell you, actual bars, rooftops, places to eat, carouse and chat with friends, to soak in the mountain air, to breathe great deep draughts of pure, unfiltered oxygen, or whatever air is made of. And I didn't do that. Instead, I sat and watched a litany of shit. 360-degree shit, though it has to be said. They've managed to be shit in every single direction. And this is the most confounding and bewildering part of the entire process. How can a team as good as this be so extraordinarily bad? Could it be all sorts of shenanigans taking place in the camp? Is there some appalling virus of nastiness? Has somebody fallen out with somebody else over a game of backgammon and it's never been truly resolved? Is it a lack of golf? They haven't talked so much about golf. That's the only blessed release that has been in this wretched tournament. But it could be the lack of golf. They've got a bit hung up on golf. Is it that? Or is it, which I think is altogether more likely, that they're just a bunch of very good players who are all playing simultaneously, absolutely dreadfully, and they can't quite work out how to turn it around? 
Today, they were confronted, it must be said, by the form team in the tournament, a side boasting a quite magnificent pace attack. Jasprit Bumra blew Joe Root's pad off. He very nearly got a tiny tickle on it, but he didn't quite. That might have saved him, but it didn't. And when he went, it kind of felt that England's hopes went, even when their second wicket went down, needing only 230 to win. I don't quite know why that is. I suppose he's the glue that England need. And looking back over that period from 2015 to 2022, really, we've imagine that England's batting was all about the Biffers, but really Joe Root's solidity amidst all that striking in that period around about 90 scoring runs regularly, that was what gave England the opportunity to play the way they do around him. Well, he's had no kind of form to speak of after the first couple of games, since which he has been a pale shadow of himself, not making it out of the power play now five times. That is really quite a telling statistic. And then Ben Stokes, who played, well, for my money, the single worst shot in the history of cricket. People may still say Shannon Gabriel, or maybe it was Shannon Gabriel. Maybe that's the worst shot. I don't know. I'm undecided. As a friend of mine once used to say, it would go to five sets. I've watched it five, six, seven times on the replay, and I still can't quite work out whether Ben Stokes is trying to hit a full-length ball off the back foot through point, extra cover, mid-off, mid-on or deep mid-wicket. The bat seems to bear no relation to the ball and where it ends up is a follow-through that could be of any of those shots which speaks to something. I mean, it's pretty epic. He got naught, by the way, but he took quite a long time overdoing it so he showed a certain degree of solidity. Not everyone else did. Eight players, though, got into double figures. That's been England's superpower throughout this World Cup. Getting to double figures. And he put them in. They don't get really... Beyond double figures, David Manang got that 100, didn't he? But other than that, it's been pretty piss poor. From an Indian point of view, they answered two questions, really. The first one was, if they bat first, will they look vulnerable? The answer is yes. They look terribly vulnerable. They only made 229 for nine. It was nice knock by Rohit Sharma in patches. He slowed down somewhat. Surya Kumar Yadav played some fantastic shots, didn't he? But um, England's bowling was pretty good for the most part. On a pitch that I think we've got to assess now was a little bit more tricky than it looked to the naked eye since players on both sides struggled enormously to find any kind of fluency. But yes, I think India will struggle uh, batting first, but their bowling attack is so strong that they could probably defend against the better sides targets of around 270, 280. Mohamed Shami, how was he ever left out? It's kind of insane, isn't it? He has a strike rate of 16.5 in World Cups, which is the best of anybody who's taken 15 wickets or more. Jasprit Bumrah, different gravy. Mohamed Siraj, I mean, those three, there are some very fine pace bowling attacks in this World Cup, but that one just looks to shade it. Their batting is a problem from the moment the fifth wicket fell. Jadeja and Rohit Sharma had to go pretty carefully because they knew that after them was just the bowlers and they are pretty wretched with the bat. So that is their Achilles heel. If anybody can strike that blow, if they can win that toss, put India in and keep them to around 250, 260, then I think India will be beatable. For England, they can mathematically still qualify, but it would require a miracle so ridiculous I'm not going to bother going through it all. Um, suffice to say that it's a very calming feeling, isn't it not? We've gone through the seven stages of grief and now we're into a whole new one, which is 
what the hell happened? Academic journals will be written about this for years to come. There are people who have written books, Tim Wigmore and Matt Roller, about what a brilliant, brilliant side England are. Released it just in time for the World Cup. Sales would have gone through the roof if England had a good tournament. Instead, well, that book's going to look a bit strange in the future. Not that it isn't a fine book. But what England have done is basically not confound their critics. They've confounded all of their supporters. All of the people who thought that we were watching something different, unique, game-changing. Well, it is game-changing. It's the single worst performance by a defending champion in any World Cup, in any sport. It's unequivocally bizarre, but it's fascinating to watch. I'll be watching it from afar. My next move is Pune. We take two planes to get there, and then we get to see... Is it New Zealand again? I think it's New Zealand against South Africa. That's going to be an absolute cracker. The match that New Zealand played against Australia, the game of the tournament, and the day before that, we had such a tight finish. If the umpire had just given that LBW, Pakistan may have been able to cement the label of chokers on South Africa once again. But it's looking increasingly like it's that top four. They're heading for the semi-finals, and all four of those sides look beatable. So the semi-finals will be fun. I'm going to be in Mumbai for that one. It'll be India against somebody. We wait to find out who. But for now, from a sickly, almost deathly, pallid, yellow and uh, hopeless Norcross lying on a rather golden chaise long inside a beautiful hotel deep in the mountains. I wish you all good luck now that the clocks have gone back in your darkness and your gloom. It ain't going to get better. Not for months and months and months. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.